25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And Laura, Laura, Laura. <laughs> I hope you are doing better than Blue Jackets Twitter is because it's been a wild ride. Laura, we're recording on Tuesday morning. This is new for us. We usually don't record like this early in the morning, but uh, life be like this sometimes. And here we are recording this early in the morning. So how are you on this Tuesday morning? Um, I'm okay. It has uh, been, yeah, I mean... My real life is kind of similar to the current Blue Jackets record, but hey, it's it's okay. But yeah, it is Tuesday morning. It's very cold outside here in Ohio, so uh, definitely fall times. Um, but, you know, we're remaining positive, just like hopefully Blue Jackets social media turns into at some point. Um yeah, I here's hoping. <laughs> here's hoping. Like I don't think I don't think I can personally sustain much longer of the of the Blue Jackets and, and not the Blue Jackets team social media, but rather yeah. the fan social media. Um, yeah, it's been wild. The team started obviously 0 and three. Laura, just like the team, I am bound and determined to say that you will not lose all 82 games, both in in the season and in life. But I yeah, it's it's been an interesting stretch for the Blue Jackets, and the fans are having interesting reactions and. So, Oh, um, I'm doing okay though. I this week has been—it's only Tuesday, but it feels like it's been like a whole week, which is like stressing me out. Um, but I am not like—I have to go to Chicago next week pretty quickly for work, and so I'm just like trying to get my life together for that. And uh, man, it's—it's uh, <laughs> it's taking a toll in more than one way. Yeah, it's—it's it's a crazy time of year, and. Um... I think it's best to, um, you know, just one step at a time. I think we've been trying on our socials to just be like, it's only been three games. Like there's so much more hockey. Like there's a whole freaking season ahead of us and we're going to break down the games and break down, you know, somewhat of what we think might be, um, well, two of the three games we already talked about the Carolina game, but um, you know, just just see some of the things that we we hope as you know, quote unquote, hockey commentators, I guess. Um, <laughs> very uncomfortable saying that, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, I can't skate to save my life, so like the it's still the idea that someone would trust anything about my hockey opinions is um, interesting to me, but. They do apparently um, on occasion, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's early. It is early. Um, but some of y'all are doomsday preppers, like good God. Um, That's a good way to put it. But yeah, let's, you know, I think let's just dive right into it and, uh, you well, know, talk about Jackets hockey. I just want to start by like posing this question, right? Is like. Are there any Blue Jackets fans? Now, I know that, that it did not look good. Like, I know that these three games, like, having a negative nine goal differential, like, that is not a good thing. Like, and I don't want to sit here and excuse that and say that people should be okay and content with where we're at right now. I think it's very okay if you're not. But you can't tell me, deadpan serious, that the Blue Jackets started this season with higher expectations of success than the Carolina Hurricanes, than the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the St. Louis Blues. Like, you just can't tell me that in all sincerity. Like, those are two, three teams, all playoff teams last year. The three teams that all eclipsed 100 points last year. The Blue Jackets had 81, and of course the Blue Jackets got better. There's no denying that. But to also not have one of your one of your weapons on offense in Patrick Line, which I have to say, like, Clearly, the idea and the plan of ever not re-signing Patrick Line never existed because this team does not know what to do with its forward core without Patrick Line. We'll get into that, of course. But 
it's just been fascinating to to see the fallout knowing pretty certainly right like you and i talked about even doing this on the show before the season got to this point even is like looking at the blue jackets first 12 games and and looking at it and being like which of these teams are the blue jackets like not subjectively better than don't use our tagline on it but objectively which teams are the blue jackets objectively better than like on paper and and really like you wait until tonight's game vancouver until you really can ask it for the first time and maybe think okay like Blue Jackets might be a better team than Vancouver. Like they're like in a similar place, like in their in their build, and and they finished in a similar place last season in the standings. And so Vancouver's a team that I think you could point to as maybe being the team that the Blue Jackets could knock off for the first time because both teams are coming in 0-3. I saw a tweet earlier, you know, the whole phrase of like the unmovable object and the like unbreakable force or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw somebody call this the game of the movable object and the breakable force. Yeah. <laughs> um, something has to give in that situation. But yeah, uh, you know, for the Jackets, I mean, I you have moments in these games where you felt okay. Like there are moments like you can't say that you spent the entire Tampa Bay game upset, right? Like I think the first period you're pretty content with where the team is at. And obviously, you know, you you end up having a little bit of, of tough luck with an offside call, but um, well, that was sorry. I like get confused because it feels like it happens every game. That was definitely against Carolina, but <laughs> no, we got we got to keep both goals for the Tampa oh, nice. game. Oh, nice. Um, but obviously, that was a roller coaster of a period too, right? Like the Jackets like score the first goal. It's great. Like amazing Johnny Goudreau scores his first goal in Nationwide Arena he scores the first goal at home for the team which I think is really exciting for everybody and then the roller coaster starts and it just goes <laughs> Tampa scores Tampa scored again too right didn't they take a 2-1 lead or am I on something um yes they took a 2-1 lead um and then Gus tied it up um, and then they took a 3-1 lead by the end of the first, or no, a 3-2 lead um, by the end of the first. And then uh, your favorite uh, Tampa Bay Lightning player, Cal Foote, uh, scored. Oh, my God. Don't talk period. to um, And then uh, the captain himself, uh, Steve Samkos. Yeah, that's his second, too. Yeah, he had a big game. I hate cow foot with a burning passion and speaking of foot i'm fairly certain that that shot went off of a jacket's foot like i don't think it actually like yeah a couple of their goals were not their I goals they were perfect. goals by our defensemen because um i believe the cow foot one went off of adam boquist um and then i actually think the Ross Colton goal went off of someone as well. Might have been Jake Bean. Um, but there were like two two of their goals were deflection goals. Um, and the reason I remember that is because um our friend Megan, who had her brother there um at the home opener, mm -hmm. um, he is a Tampa Bay fan. And I texted her um during the game and I said, Is your brother gloating? And she goes, No, not really, because he knows that two of those goals were deflections. So it's not like, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was bad luck. Um, and, you know, we'll get into it, but there's definitely some defensive issues um, happening uh, on the Blue Jackets right now. And um, I think we're seeing the results of that in tonight's game um, against Vancouver. Um, but yeah, we, we will get into it. Um, but the Tampa game on Friday was, you know, it sucks. It sucks to lose any time, like obviously, but it sucks a little bit harder to lose your your home opener in a in a sold out crowd um, and with a lot of like, you know, we've talked about it um, at length over the off season, but you know, a season with a lot of hype around it and, you know a lot of new fans who had a lot of like, who, or who have a lot of, I think kind of unrealistic expectations for where we are at as a team. 
with the additions that we got over the summer. Um, I think people who have been riding this train for either the whole time or like me for the last, you know, five years um, know that, yes, it's incredibly exciting. The things that Yarmo was able to acquire over the off season, but like, just because you add these things doesn't mean that the rest of the team magically like comes together. Like, um, Johnny, Johnny's not the, the savior that's going to like magically make this whole team be able to, you know, work well together. Like he is absolutely an incredible addition. He's going to be a part of some really incredible, you know, moments for this team. Um, but he's not, (laughs) he's not hockey Jesus. Like he's not, (laughs) you know, like he wasn't able to put his hands over everyone and just have it. Like there's still issues with this team. And um, I think what we're seeing is the reaction of some unrealistic um, fans. And, you know, just like we, we say with the prospects too, not everyone is Cole Sillinger. Like not everyone gets drafted and then immediately plays, Um, He played 80 games last year, immediately plays 80 NHL games. So it's a lot of learning. And I think that's important for us and our type of show because we can help and we can help and be productive in, in teaching people why certain things might not be working the way they want them to at first and why things are the way that they are. And Laura, why are things the way that they are? (laughs) <laughs> that's a big question i'm so sorry <laughs> be like answer all the questions and solve all the world's problems now no i don't mean that um but yeah i, I think the thing is right like yeah like it, it goes back to the expectations i think you can still have expectations that the season is not going to be a bad season like i think that you can still think that it's possible for this team to to be playing meaningful hockey toward the end of the season a lot of things have to improve like i don't know I don't know how many teams are are you know getting beat by the Blue Jackets the way that they've played the first three games. You know, I mean, even teams that we thought were going to be you know kind of cupcakes this year have found ways to win hockey games that we didn't know they would. Like Montreal's two and two. Like what? Like what's going on there? The Coyotes beat the Maple Leafs last night. I'm sure Maple Leafs. I know we talk a lot about Blue Jackets Twitter. But I'm sure Maple Leafs Twitter is like beside itself and like really struggling with that one from last night. But uh, also crazy stat that I saw on Twitter. Hmm. I hate when I say that because then it makes it sound like it could potentially not be true. Like when I say like, oh, I saw this on Twitter. (laughs) Um, But the Coyotes haven't left Toronto without at least a point since 2002. Wow. So obviously haven't won all those games, some overtime losses in there and uh, back back when it was still a thing, some ties. But but yeah, I I think that there's still reason to be positive. I think there's still things to look forward to if you're a Blue Jackets fan. Of course, you're hoping sooner rather than later Patrick Line is good to go because I think that that changes your, your perspective, I think, a little bit on, on how things are going. But yeah. I think... I think generally you've got a game against Vancouver tonight and you've got a handful of games in the foreseeable future that you can be competitive in. You've got this three game home stretch that I think is going to be really important. Yeah. And I think, I think if you're going to throw up your hands after three games, because trust me, I have um, seen the whole gamut of reactions on uh, fan social media over the last few days. And I I think if you're going to throw up your hands and I know it sucks, it sucks to have your team lose. Like, no one likes it. Like it's not a fun time, but if you're going to throw up your hands after three games, um, especially after, as we've said, having one of your star players get injured in the second period of your first game, like you, I don't understand. Like I'm unsure of what you were expecting. And when you're looking again at the type of schedule that we have for these first 12 games, like, I'm not saying we're going to lose the first 12 games. I'm sure we're going to find a win here or there. But, like, if you're, you know, calling for Lars's job, if you're calling for 
a trade of our star goaltender after he only played one game. Um, I, I, I just don't know what your expectations were. Um, we're not going to win the Stanley cup this year. Like I know I was the optimistic one, like in our predictions, but y'all like it's, it's, it's okay. There's 79 games left. That's, that's a lot. Like one would say it's almost an entire season left. (laughs) One might say that one might say that. And they, and they'd be onto something. Yeah. I mean, I think, then obviously, like, I think we dive a little bit into what's next for the Jackets here in a second. But then, you know, the St. Louis game, you're tied to two going into the third. Like, you're feeling pretty good. Like, there obviously are moments in that game where you're not pleased with a player, too. But generally speaking, I think in the first 40 minutes, I think you're content. You know, I, I think it's interesting. Why has Gus Nyquist turned into like the goal scorer? <laughs> This equation got two goals in the first in his first three games. But that's like that's a bright spot for us to talk about in these situations is that Gus has really stepped up in not only his own play, but as a leader on this team. Like he has he's leading by example because he has had this is probably one of the best starts to his uh, to a season in his career because he's had, you know, just a great a great start, you know, two, two goals and two games in a row, like in, in crucial times. I mean, when he scored that goal on Saturday, um, he and Sean Crowley back to back, like that was an exciting moment to be watching hockey. Like if you weren't pumped after that situation, like you weren't paying attention um, because that was the kind of, you know, excitement we needed. Um, and it, not even that we were, like in a terrible spot going into the second, they were only up by one. Like there's still plenty of time. And obviously you feel a little bit of like discouragement when you go down by two, but then to see them, I think it was 18 seconds in between those two goals by us. Um, Like that's, that's exciting hockey and it's what you want to see. It's just the, you know, the deflation of things and the defensive breakdowns that continued in that game that really, you know, let the blues take advantage of the situation. Yeah. That third period was rough. Third period was rough. And I felt terrible because I had not watched the first two periods. And then I was at a restaurant actually. And was like, Oh, I'm able, I can turn this game on. I can do whatever I need to. We can watch it. And so my friend Bree and I were watching after watching grand Valley lose five to nothing. I not a great hockey night for me. And, uh, and yeah, so watch it at the, at the bar there. And, uh, I feel responsible because <laughs> the second I turned on the game, it was like immediate collapse. Yeah, so if y'all angry fans want anyone to, to blame for Saturday's loss, I think you should fully blame Jeremy. Cause the moment he started watching, it all just went downhill. It was great when I was just watching, so yeah, so what I'm hearing is that Laura will be the only person watching this evening's game against the Canucks, and <laughs> if at any point we start losing, just know that I got curious. <laughs> no, he's he's going to be watching because that's our job. <laughs> but it's true. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, things. The first three games could have been better. I think. I think you would have hoped to. I think you and I talked like my ideal situation out of those first three games. And I think it would have been considered a huge success would have been to be like one, one and one, steal a point out of St. Louis, get the home win and your in your home opener against the Lightning. And then you're okay with losing against the Canes, I think. But but yeah, obviously they're not able to do that. It's an 0 3 start. And and they've got a chance tonight to to break that against the Vancouver Canucks, who's a team who like I would argue is in a similar situation where fans are calling for Bruce Boudreaux's job. Fans are saying that the start of the season has been incredibly disappointing. And you can't like you can't blame Vancouver fans this year. They they were like I think they were like a year ahead of their rebuild, in my opinion, on the Blue Jackets. Like in the sense of like they should probably definitely be a playoff team this year, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They're not showing that so far, and we've got them tonight. So that's true. Like it's definitely I think uh, Aaron Portsline described it last night as like after Vancouver ended up 
losing to the Capitals, which um, I think it's going to be very indicative of the energy that they come to Columbus with tonight because they were winning that game against Washington. um, And then Washington came back with a vengeance. Like they very much so, I think they were winning. They're up 4-2. Yeah, 4-2 and then lost 6-5. Like 6-4. Oh, six, four. So even worse, um, worse. (laughs) but so it's going to be two pretty desperate teams coming up against each other because whoever loses in this circumstance is going to be, you know, oh, and four, essentially. I mean, obviously, if they if we go into overtime, like that's different. But yeah, yeah, the fans are going to see it as oh, and four. But um you know, so it's going to be two very desperate hockey teams playing against each other. I think that's going to make for some pretty good hockey um, and some pretty interesting circumstances. I'm sure we're going to see um, probably a few more fights tonight than mm-hmm. normally on a Tuesday night hockey game. Yeah, it be but, um, and but I I also think that that's going to come into play with how important the crowd is going to be tonight for the Blue Jackets because historically we know you know, that the guys do play better at home um, and they really feed off that energy um, of the fifth line when, when we're in nationwide. So anyone going to the game tonight, like just, you know, put the last three games behind you and just go there to support the team. Like go there to like encourage them. Lars is uh, definitely making some changes for tonight. Um so just go there and, you know, positive energy is a thing. Like, I I'm, I know it sounds hippy-dippy, but, like, in my perspective, like, it is a thing. So, and it's hockey, and it's fun, and it's October, and it literally just started. It did literally just start. And, Laura, hockey is fun. And you know what else is fun? Um, betting on DraftKings. Yeah, betting on hockey specifically with DraftKings because hockey fans, as you all know, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. So, I mean, you've got to you've got to throw some money down on the Jackets tonight to beat the Canucks. You've got to maybe you're feeling really confident about them against Nashville later this week, Pittsburgh perhaps. I don't know, maybe you're feeling it. Uh if that's not enough excitement for you, though, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So Vancouver is coming to town, and it's the first of a three-game home stretch for the Jackets. And like you just alluded to, some changes coming. The Blue Jackets line up away. Nick Blankenberg is slated, in theory, to make his uh, season debut tonight against the Canucks, filling in presumably for Adam Boquist. So that's a player that I don't know that everybody had as their first man out right now on this blue line. But um, Laura, what were your initial thoughts when I manically texted you and said (laughs) that this was what was happening? Um, Well, first I was excited for Nick. Um, Nick is a grind type player. Like he showed it throughout camp and showed it in the, I think, seven games that he was able to play at the end of last season. Um, you know, he he's a guy that wants to go out and prove that he deserves to play NHL level hockey. And they kept him out of Cleveland, like for a reason, particularly probably for this reason, because, you know, the coaches obviously obviously the coaches know so much more about what happens and how they've been preparing their own team. So, um, you know, I think that this is a good opportunity for him to breathe a little new life into this defensive situation. Um, I don't know that Adam Boquist would have been uh, my choice of person to take out of the lineup, but 
My assumption is that because there are two defensive players right now that seem to be the biggest issue that Lars is going to rotate. Like if Nick does well tonight, Nick will stay in the lineup and he's going, Lars is going to rotate in and out Adam Boquist and Jake Bean. Like, I really think because you can't take, you can't take both of them out right now. Like that's just not a thing. Like, we don't have someone else right now to put to bring up to like fill in that spot. So you have to rotate them out. I don't know that I would have chose Adam to do that first, but I think that also has to do a lot with like the lineup that we have going on the rest of this week. Maybe it was an easier decision to pull Adam for Vancouver so that he could go in for Nashville. Um, but I don't know what Lars is going to do. I could be completely wrong about this, but in my opinion, he's going to swap out the two to allow them to sit up in the press box and watch the game from above and watch what needs to happen differently because no one's going to argue that the defense was any kind of good, (laughs) like, you know, was any kind of good at all. Um, these three games. So, um, but yeah, so Adam, Adam will more than likely come out tonight and Nick will get his uh, season debut. Yeah. And we went to our favorite place, Blue Jackets Twitter to <laughs> ask some of our followers what they felt about, about this possibility. We've got some pretty, I mean, listen, not like overly emotional. Like we've got a lot of really good, like that's how we know our followers are the ones like we, we see you, we love you. Um, so a couple of these responses, you know, our friend Danny Smith, shout out Danny at the Danny Smith. Um, so uh, she tweeted, in my opinion, both push should play over Bean, but all of us up in the air. So let's just see how it plays out, I guess. Great attitude. Agreed entirely. Uh, the one question that I think a lot of people have, and, and it's been, it was referenced in a couple of our responses is just like, Adam Oquist is somebody who is who has kind of played a little bit of a role on the power play. We'll get into a little bit about how the power play looks to have switched up a little bit. Uh, going into Tuesday's game here in a minute, but definitely a, a fascinating move there for that reason. Uh, you know, Troy is the worst at Troy underscore on hockey. Troy, I don't think you're the worst. <laughs> uh, I called this change before game on Sunday on Saturday. Excuse me, Boquist has been on the top pair, but has been playing very sheltered minutes. If you have a if you have to shelter a top pair defenseman, you're going to have a bad time. That's true. I mean, he's been playing on the first pair with Zach. I mean, he can't. He's getting used a lot. Zach's being put out there a lot, and so he you can't you can't play on that top pair with Zach and expect to like be hidden. Like you can't, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially for the way that Zach plays. Yeah. Um, Brian Wallace at the District BW man to man defense is a defensive switch has been brutal. Waranski, Peak, and Gavrikov are fine. The other three can all sit for a few games, and I don't know that I have any real opposition to that statement i I feel like those three have been the ones that have been solid and really uh, if you want to do anything with those bottom three like feel free like be my guest although erica branson is tied for leading the team in points just so we're on the same page which is fascinating because he's i think he had 15 points off last season like he's not a point getter as a defenseman so fascinating that he's already but But i also don't like i and again just like i don't think that going to the ahl is a punishment I don't think that being this early on in a, in a season, I don't think that being a healthy scratch in order to watch a game, like, I don't think that's a punishment either, especially for someone like Branson, if need be, even though he is, you know, leading the way in points three games in, um, you know, because he's, he's so new to our system. Like Calgary plays a very different game than the blue jackets do. And, you know, you don't have the longest amount of time to get adjusted. And when you're coming into a team that is still in a rebuild, things are changing constantly. Um, Like, I don't I don't think it's a bad idea to give him some time to to watch a game from above. And because watching tape is one thing, but watching something happen live and in the moment, like, is so much more beneficial to a player um, whether or not we'll swap out Gabranson, like we're hopefully going to do with, with being in Boquist, who knows, but like, I don't consider it a punishment. I consider it a learning opportunity. 
um, to hopefully make them better. Because if you're not doing everything that you can to make a player better, like nothing's going to improve. Like, so you have to let the coaching staff determine what is going to help a player, you know, either adjust something or realize that they're doing something, you know, like if a play is not working appropriately or if it's not, if they're not understanding it. Um, And this is probably our (laughs) higher education background that comes from this, but like, you sometimes you have to approach things differently for every person and because people learn things differently and there's nothing bad about that but and in such a young team you're gonna have to to take take the time to to go through things with with players yeah without a doubt and especially those like the jake bean and adam boquist discourse is fascinating in some ways and this is like full transparency like i don't know what's happened to me over the course of the last few few weeks but i have become like a real critic of jake bean and i don't know where that came from like i don't know like what it was about me that like really sparked that like like i he's still got upside he's still got potential to be a really good player for this team but for some reason he is like the defenseman that i've latched onto as being the one where i'm like can you be better like and i don't know why it's unfair to him probably like yeah it's not like Jake Bean hit a button for Jeremy. And I don't know what it was. I don't it's know. just, it's, you're not like mean, but you are just, you're definitely critical, which I don't think is necessarily unfounded. Like, like I just said, I do believe one of the goals that the Blues got on Saturday was a deflection off of him um, just not being in the right spot, which is like an unlucky situation. But, yeah, Jake Jake Bean has really sparked <laughs> sparked a defensive fire in Jeremy. So if he could transfer that spark over to Jake Bean and like fuel Jake Bean with like a hate fire of wanting to be better, then this would be a great relationship, I think. Yeah, no, I'll do everything I can to channel that energy that way. But yeah, it it did. It came out of nowhere. And I think, you know, especially for for him and, and Bogey, like right, like they're not chiseled veterans in this league like that's that's the thing that i think like people especially i think it happens more to boquist than it does to be and i feel like people are pretty like understanding of where jake bean is and his development but like adam boquist is young guys like adam boquist is somebody who you know some of his most developmental formative years in the nhl his first few were just marred by covid right like i mean like they weren't like normal seasons he never played a full season i see i don't know that he still has yet and so those are the kind of things that you're obviously hoping that eventually will click in his game. But I, I have some questions about Adam Boquist being the player that comes out in the situation as well. I do think that Jake Bean would have been my first man up. And, and you know, you said that there aren't people to come up and, and flip out a couple of people. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that you would say that he looked outstanding, but David Juracek didn't look terrible in Cleveland this weekend. They're 2-0. Shout out to Cleveland. Uh, so that's somebody that's down there. Jake Christensen's still down there, itching for his chance to get back up and have a chance in the defense. Of course, Ole Bjorkvik home is there are just a lot of folks down there that, that are itching for an opportunity. And obviously, they want to see the Jackets be successful. But I don't know how many of them would be upset if they got a call up to try to figure out what the hell is going on with this defensive core. Right, and I I I know that there are options, but I think. Again, I have absolutely no idea what the coaching staff is thinking, but I think in terms of how I understand that Lars works, I think it with it only being three games, he's yeah. not quite ready to be like, oh, no, we're bringing people up from Cleveland. Because also, like, you know, Cleveland is is doing well. Like, they are um, doing well. Like, there's just no no doubt about it. And so that's that's good for us for when, if and when there is a desperate point in time where it's like we need to bring someone up right now because we're having a an issue but again it's just it's this three game thing where we're working through some things we're trying some different combinations and um you know and we'll we'll talk about this too but like the the pure like just (laughs) you know toss it up in the air situation of this circumstance where Patrick is going to be out for three to four weeks. And now what, what looks to be this like 
sort of the only thing that was set in stone for like basically up until like they had to turn in the roster was this top line of Patrick Line, Boone Jenner, and Johnny. Like this was like basically this is the equivalent of someone laminating something. Like that lineup was like set in stone, laminated, like nothing's happening. First game, Patrick sprains his elbow. Like, and then you're looking at this laminated piece of paper <laughs> and you're like, fuck. <laughs> like now we need to figure out like, it's almost like they weren't, because you don't. Like, when you have that sort of situation, which we so briefly got to see in the last couple preseason games and in the first period and a half of the first season game, like, that's a sort of a magic combination. Like, a combination that hopefully when Patrick comes back is going to be a great thing. Um, but... Now, now you have this hole, you have this like gaping hole where you need to figure out who can go there. And we've had, we've had two people try it out. Um, Justin Danforth did it the first time um, during the home opener and it was okay. It wasn't like, you know, but it was okay. Like he didn't, you know, nothing was strategically wrong with that situation. Um, and then of course the other night against St. Louis, Gus swapped in on that top line. And like, clearly that was a good thing for Gus. Like he, you know, got the scoring off for the blue jackets. Like, so that's a maybe a bit of a stronger option, but it's, it's going to take some time and you just don't want it to take the whole time that Patrick is out. Um, Cause that won't be fun for anyone, but it's just, it's a jumble. It's what did I call it in previous years. Like blue jackets boggle. Like you just kind of yeah. like shake it up and see, see what obviously those, the Boone and Johnny like tiles are cemented into the, the shaking thing, but you're just waiting to see who falls into that other slot. Kind of like, I guess my question becomes does Boone have to be locked in like I think that we're like limiting some things here by saying that Boone has to be your top line center right now because the the thing about Boone being the top line center when you're playing with Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine on your wings is he's defensively responsible so is Gus Nyquist so is Justin Danforth so when we're thinking about replacing Patty's role on the first line with somebody who's pretty responsible defensively I don't hate the idea you know who's not been good at the start of the season jack rosovic you know it sounds counterintuitive putting jack rosovic on the top line to see if that can get him going but you know what i think about doing i think about doing exactly that i think about throwing him up on the top line seeing how that works letting him play a couple of minutes with johnny see what happens and then moving from there what do you have to lose at this point right like i mean like maybe not may, maybe not maybe i'm being a little bit over dramatic but i don't think we have to be locked in the boon on the on that first line right now i just think it's hard to argue Boone's face-off win percentage right now. Like he's doing really great in the face-off circle and the other ones are not. Um, like I think Sean Corrales has the next highest face-off win percentage. Um, and, you know, we've talked about that before with like, yes, that's definitely something that both Cole and, and Jack, um, need to work on but and my issue too with with jack is like i agree with you like i don't think we're in a point where it's like you can't move boone around like that's not i'm not that much you know married to the idea that he can't be johnny's center or whatever but like it also is worrisome to me and i said it in our preview too that if jack needs these very specific things to get going like you can't always give that to him because he's not a number one center right now and he's hasn't done I mean even yes he did much better towards the end of last season 
because he got that opportunity with Boone being injured. But you can't just be like, oh, well, he can only perform on the top line. Like, that's not, I don't think that that's how Lars wants to structure this team because it, his faceoff percentage is terrible. And not true. Jack Jack Rothovic's at a 53.13% faceoff percentage this season. Okay. Rough game, rough game, game one. Everybody was bad. Like it was terrible. But the counterpoint to that too is like the Jackets, I think, won 72% of faceoffs against Tampa Bay. And like what happened in that game, right? Like, so I like it's important, right? Like to have somebody who can win a draw. And it's important to have somebody out there who can like make sure that your team starts the, the game with possession and starts to play with possession. But the team hasn't done a great job of sustaining possession. <laughs> So it's like hard, right? Like it doesn't like end up at serving as much of an impact. Boone Jenner is at 71%. I mean, it's stupid. Like it is like absolutely asinine how good Boone Jenner has been in the face-off circle this year. Um, and obviously you want to play him in situations where he's going to be taking the most important face-offs. But small perk of the Jackets playing the next three games at home is that Brad Larson will get the last line changed. And so he'll be able to send Boone's lineup out there. Whoever, wherever Boone is playing in the lineup, if there is an important faceoff, I can guarantee you, I don't care if it's the first line, second line, third line, hell, even if he's playing on the fourth line, that's the line that's going to be out there doing an important faceoff right now. Without a doubt, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, and I think Jack is a player where I hear you, like, and I think I agree with what you're saying from Lars's perspective on on not being the kind of coach that that does those kind of things to try to get somebody going. But that's not something that's necessarily unique to any one player, right? Like, there are some players that require a very specific environment to be successful in, right? Like, I think that that's part of the reason and, and it's part of the discourse of, like, what happened with, with Cam Atkinson and, and Patrick Laine when those two were here, right? Because, like, the argument was they both need somebody who can be a playmaker to be able to get them the puck, to be able to do what they do best, which is score. And obviously, the Blue Jackets did not have two people who could do that at the time, and so that created this like discourse of like, well, who do you give that opportunity to? And it kind of feels like it's a similar place right now, knowing that we have a playmaker in Patrick or in uh, Johnny Goudreau right now, but who's the goal scorer? Like who's the person who's going to be up there and, and scoring goals with Johnny. And that's, I think what we need to figure out sooner rather than later. Gus has seemed to be formidable in that and hopefully he'll continue to be so, but it's definitely something to keep an eye out on and, and things have shifted quite a bit on the power play too. Like that's going to be another chance for people to have an opportunity to to do some things. And and looking at the current power play lineup, right? Like Jack Rosovic is is on power play number one, um, and he's got Johnny Goudreau, Gus Nyquist, Zach Wierenski, and Boone Jenner there. So a lot of a lot of switching around there. Um, and then the second power play line right now is centered by Justin Danforth. Um, and with, you know, Ken Johnson and Igor Chinnikov on the wings, Jake Bean serving as the quarterback of that power play and, uh, you know, Jakob Voracek serving as a net front presence there. So fascinating. I'm interested to see how that works out. Obviously no power play goals to this point yet this season. So you want to get something going sooner rather than later, but I will see. What do you think of those power play lines? I mean, obviously like the top line, I think, will be fine. I think it's it's your strongest players in that circumstance. Um, the second line, obviously, a little bit, you know, I think my only question really is the Jake Bean being the quarterback of that circumstance just because he's not – I don't really see his play in that, in that way. But, I mean, obviously, again, not a coach. So um, – but – you know, and it's also it's also a thing of that that second line is you've got a you've got a lot of young players on there, and you know having them balance their excitement for being in the game and the hockey like knowledge that they need to have because Cole's goal would have been a power play goal, um, and you know you have to go back on you know these essentials or like these basic things of like watching where you're at when you're on the ice and like doing the, obviously the game is very fast. Things happen very quickly, but like being better at noticing where you're at on the ice when you're doing things, because 
you know, like if that goal hadn't been called away the other night, things could have been very different, but obviously that's a woulda, coulda, shoulda situation. But so I have more concern with the second line, but you know, I think the first line will be okay. Um, mainly because how do you argue with that, that caliber? I mean, you've, you've, you've got basically everyone we're counting on right now on that first power play line. And we just, we also haven't gotten a ton of power plays. Like, um, so we need to start, I don't want to say start drawing penalties, but yeah, start drawing penalties, I guess. So, um, cause we just haven't had a lot. Other teams that have played against us have had quite a few. Um, and the PK hasn't been terrible. Um, but yeah, if any yeah. of that made sense, I feel like I was like off in a distance. No, you're all good. You're all good. I, the one, the one subtraction here that I am confused by is one that you kind of reference as being the one who, who almost scored a goal on the power play if it weren't called back. And it's that Cole Sillinger is left off of these power play lines, which I think is interesting. Uh, you know, he's somebody who I see his value add on at a man advantage, but you know, maybe, maybe there are things that, that Lars hasn't been happy with, with his game, especially on the man advantage. So we'll see how that comes through to fruition, but it'll be interesting to see which one of these lines potentially is the first to, to bring the jackets out of the cellar in terms of power play percentage, them and the Buffalo Sabres, the only two teams that have not scored a power play goal yet this season. Every other team has at least one. So um, (laughs) this is unrelated to our show. The Avalanche and the Oilers have a 50% power play right now. Obviously that'll change, but that's sick. Like that is foul. Uh, And, I'm becoming increasingly nervous about those games against Colorado, let me tell you. <laughs> but, but I digress. So, Laura, we're heading into um, into this game tonight with expectations that the Jackets can can get it done and can, you know, find a way to get that, that first win in the win column. But, you know, it's possible that maybe we'll be talking on, on Thursday about – about some less fortunate things, of course, but the Jackets obviously play tonight, Tuesday. They play again on Thursday, and then they play again on Saturday. So a lot of good hockey coming up. Um, Laura, what else is on your radar? I mean, not not a ton. Like, just, you know, really, it's, it's just getting the season going, like we said in the beginning of the episode. Um, I think it's good for them to have, like, it's basically a super long stretch at home because really they only dip out on, I believe Sunday and go. Yeah. They dip out on Sunday to go play um, the Rangers, which will be tough because they play Pittsburgh the night before. So it's going to be a tough turnaround, especially because both Pittsburgh and New York are having pretty good starts to their seasons. Um, So that'll be hard, but yeah, it's a it's pretty much like a whole two weeks that they're mostly home except for this like one day trip to to New York. So I think that'll be good. I think that will add um, a little bit of pep in their step um, leading up to going to Finland, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just ex- excited to have hockey back. I think outside of the loss on Friday, we had a great time um, at the home opener. Um, incredible job by the whole team that put um, all of those festivities together. Um, We know, I mean, we know some of them personally and we know all the hard work that went into it. So, and if you haven't seen the the opening video, it is up online uh, that they showed before the game. And it's, if you don't get pumped up about Blue Jackets hockey after that, then you weren't paying attention. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited for the season to be going and, um, I may sound like a homer, but I'm I'm not ready after three games to wave the white flag or anything. So you and me both. I just somehow, some way on episode 137, I still sometimes keep myself muted when I go to talk. Don't know how it happens, but it happens. Uh yeah, no, I think that that's all for us today, y'all. Obviously, hopefully we're talking to you all on <laughs> 
on Friday about a couple of Blue Jackets wins. We'll have two games to, to recap then. And so, uh, Laura, I hope you you have a few Diet Cokes available at, at your place because we've got a late recording happening on Thursday night after the Jackets play the Predators. But, uh, Laura, obviously, we, we try to keep the folks apprised of all the, all the news notes and all of our insanity that we spew out on, on social media from time to time. Uh, so you got to let them know where they can find that. Yeah, you can find us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Subjectively Pod. You can follow us on Facebook at Subjectively Speaking. Uh, if you want to check out our website slash where it, you know, get links to all of our stuff. And uh, we're hopefully going to be adding a few things uh, to that over the course of this season. You can visit SubjectivelySpeaking.com. Um, if you want to support your two favorite hockey podcasters and get some cool merch in exchange, you can visit our new merch store, subjectivelymerch.com. It does have our Johnny Hockey design or our Here's Johnny um, design as well as um, our classic logo currently. And then we will be adding our other logos and hopefully a couple of new things um, over the course of this season. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, um, especially if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. Scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. Um, and while we always say we don't know how the algorithm works, what we can say is just a big thank you um, to everyone out there who heard our plea uh, to reach our um, home opener goal of 50 um, star ratings on Apple Podcasts. So not only did you get us to there, but you got us to 60 star ratings um, on Apple Podcasts. And we were just blown away by um, the support and the beautiful comments that were left um, that have really helped us get noticed very early on here in the season. Um, and we just can't say thank you enough. Um, and we just appreciate you guys so much. That we do. And until next time, make sure you're taking care of yourselves. Make sure you're taking care of one another. Drink water. That's more of a note for myself. And we will talk to you all very soon. Bye.